the magic of video welcome to no challenges remaining i'm ben rothenberg joined by my dear friend courtney Nguyen. hello courtney hello ben how are you i'm good it's end of day eight of the u.s open we have our quarterfinal lineup set we're going to talk some tennis i feel like we finally i think all the djokovic dust has hopefully died down for now uh, relatively quickly there wasn't too much of an any aftershocks at least we saw today so we're all moving on with life it's good that djokovic told us fans to back off uh, in terms of harassing the Lions woman. So that was positive. Yeah, now we get to talk about the tennis and the, the, the men and the women that remain in this U.S. Open draw in contention. Hopefully all of them are very careful with their balls between points. I mean, that any way you want to take it. And uh, yeah, Corinne, do you want to talk about, uh, let's get right into it. Do you want to talk about the men or the women first? Um, you know what? Let's do the boys. Okay. And then the finish boys. off with the ladies. Let's start with the with the, with the the young men. Let's start yes. with all, all, Matt the Hopple. All the young dudes. Let's All go. The, that's, that's, that's a good, actually, outro pick already. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's why I get paid the big bucks. Yeah, uh, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Patreon. All right. So, yeah, Pablo Carreño Busta. We start he's the top name of the draw now. <laughs> yes, uh, he is, is. is. Is up against Denis Shapovalov in the first quarterfinals. It's a quarterfinal of big opportunity. So the other three quarters have a top five guy in them, right? So the other three have distributed between them. Team Medvedev and Zverev. This is the quarter theoretically of opportunity. This is number twelve Shapovalov versus number twenty Cranio Busta. Cranio Busta has actually made a slam semi before. I don't remember. He... Did he do that? Yes, he did. He did. When? In twenty seventeen, U.S. Open. I do not remember that. Did you not see this whole thing I had? Oh, <laughs> did you know what I'm referring thing? to? What? That's what I'm referring okay, to. I, would, I, I never, I, I assume so, but your poker face is just so good. Oh, you know? see, this is anyway. the problem is that now we do these these video things. Now you, you think that you're trying to read things. I'm, I, I was being ever... sarcastic, like Vashik Pospisil. Was he sarcastic? He was sarcastic today towards, towards, um, uh, who was it? Someone British, I'm guessing? No, I can't remember which umpire it was, but he got oh, a time umpire. violation and it was like there's nothing i can she was like I, there's nothing i can do i mean the clock is literally zero and he goes you could use your sense i mean you could use your common sense like as a human like as a person as he was like walking away and i'm like what is go chill out on your shrooms dude like what is wrong with you like what like i don't know i've seen so many of the women players get like time violations and you know what they do they just serve the ball Sometimes they give a ball back to the ball kid. They lose Sometimes the they take serve. a deep breath, they adjust their ball cap, and they serve. It's not a drama. It was weird. It was just a dumb thing that, like, I just, I had to wake up and do, uh, and I had to, like, you know, watch that match before the Serena match. And I just turned on the audio, and he was barking at the umpire, and I just was not about it. Anyhow. Pablo Carnabusta, I'm hoping, will be non-confrontational. He does know his way around arguing. If you remember his throwing of the racket bag after he lost to uh, to Kenny Shikori, uh, that was out of character for him for sure, but it did happen once. Shapovalov has his own, uh, well, he's being cited as case study in the Djokovic situation now, so he has his <laughs> own moments. But uh, yeah, Shapovalov and Carnabusta, I got to say, this is, I feel like, a wonderful opportunity for Denis Shapovalov for... You know, I feel like for this round, the night train should be able to go express, right? There shouldn't be too much slowing down here. Choo choo. Yeah, no. I mean, I I, I think it'll be Shapo. Didn't PCB beat him here last year, maybe? 
Yeah, he's he's you... definitely lost to him. He's a, I think zero and two yeah. against him, one and two or something like that. Um, yeah. But I've been super impressed by Shapovalov. Um, then again, I was really super impressed by Felix. And yes, he played Dominic and yada yada. But I was not seeing that scoreline coming, to be quite honest. No. So, um, but no, I've been very impressed by Shapo. I think that, yeah, it. You know, what's been very very interesting this tournament is like with these young guys, with all these young dudes, um, especially the ones that aren't named Zverev and Team, because obviously Zverev and Team have been kind of holding that torch for a while mm -hmm. and having to answer all the next gen questions and when are you ready to beat them but like some of the other younger guys even like tfo and yeah like felix like players that are already out but they they sounded a little bit more alpha than normal they sounded a little bit more like this is my time like i'm out like i'm gonna go win like you know things like that it was actually quite nice to see like it wasn't they didn't seem like puppies i think this is the first tournament draw notwithstanding, regardless of the fact that Novak's no longer in it and a young person will win it or not an old person will win it, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they've seen, they seem more grown up, these kids, these, they, these, these men's. I, I did it when I made a little draw tweet of like, I'll put the eight flags of who's left and put the names. And I was like, oh, when I finished the men, I was like, oh, wow, this is it. Like one of these guys is, is here and there's just, and they're freed. And, you know, I feel like it's like getting a goldfish, right? It'll like grow to the size of its container. So if you get a yeah. if, if suddenly the big fish aren't there, these other ones are going to start eating a lot more food and they're going to get bigger. And that's very exciting for Dennis Shapovalov, who's a little lefty fish and he can do big things. I mean, I he's the more exciting prospect, to be clear. One finned backhand, I guess you would call it as a fish. But really, you're just going to keep just, going with that, like, aren't I'm you? Try, I'm trying. All right. <laughs> uh, Shapovalov is the more exciting prospect. Karina Boost is a solid, solid player for sure. He's just a good tennis player. He's a, uh, he's a solid tennis player. I mean, PCB is just like good. And I don't mean that in, I'm not saying that derog derogatorily. Like, he's just like a solid tennis player. There's nothing wrong with he's that. He's someone you have to beat. He's like, a, he's like where he should be, right? Which is like being ranked like top, edge of top 20 more or less I maybe mean, we'll go up a bit I mean, he didn't beat anybody that really is all that astounding this tournament he beat uchiyama kruger and barankas before he you got did his have kruger slam I in did, the cards for a while oh my and gosh pcb did, I tell, did, that, did I tell that story so you did been, not you should tell people there have been some hiccups with the u.s open not a ton but some early on especially when we we're just trying to get the hang of the zoom situation and i was going to go to mitchell kruger's press because He's first time winning a slam mat round. I've never spoken to the guy. So I was like, oh, I'll go see what this guy's about. So I go click on the Zoom link at like, his press was at six. I clicked on it probably at like 6.02. And they've been starting just about three, four or five minutes late on average. A lot of these Zoom press conferences. I get there and it's like, please wait. The host will let you in. So I'm sitting there waiting. And I'm waiting. And like eight minutes go by. And then like. <laughs> 12 and I, I messaged somebody whoever sent the message in the group thread or whatever administrator dan i was like what's happened mitchell kruger because i'm like waiting and he's and apparently he had already like gone into a one-on-one -on -one or something after his press conference no one else showed up but i was just waiting for like 12 minutes staring at the screen waiting for mitchell kruger to show up and i was like this is not good time management ben you you can't be doing this again this is not good ben was real sad it was not it was because he missed mitchell kruger but just the indignity of it all. It wasn't wasn't a high watermark for me this week, but yeah, I, I I think Chapeau can should win this, and I think Chapeau can make the final. I think Chapeau, you know, if Chapeau keeps it up and is playing well, I think he can absolutely beat the guys in the next quarterfinal, who are Borna Chorich and Sasha Zverev. Chorich three and one against Zverev historically beat him in the U.S. Open 2017 second round, I believe, when Zverev was sort of in his first incarnation of like, wow, he can be the next one to win a Slam, and he really wasn't coming close. Yeah. That was one of the early results in that stretch for Zverev. 
Was that uh, like on Grandstand or something? Yes. Like yes. yeah, that crazy raucous. I think it was like a raucous match, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was a I night match. That. Yeah. Um, yeah, night Grandstand. It was I think maybe first year of Grandstand if the math checks out on that. I think that's right. Like yeah. it was. Yeah, it was a it was a big match and and Chorich got through it and you know it's gonna they're both baseline guys and Chorich at that point was certainly the stronger physically guys Varev has, has filled that quite a bit as he's happy to show us in his suite anytime he can only fans link in bio from sasha's Varev up there you know it's <laughs> it's a lot i this is i think it's kind of 50 match i don't have much inside <laughs> previews i have nothing to say about these matches so far <laughs> but i think Zverev is somebody who should look at this draw and be like i got this right Zverev should look at this collection of, to. of of yep. Carreno, chorich and shapovalov and be like this is my time as he says, this is my fucking court. He said it at like eight different places. He has many courts. <laughs> I think he actually admitted that. He was doing a video for UTS and they had a line, you know, they did those like ridiculous scripts they did. Yeah. And they apparently yeah. gave, gave him a line. It was like, this is my court. And the person like making the video was like, it's like what you said in Munich. And he's like, I didn't say that in Munich. But I said that in Stuttgart. I said that in Dubai. <laughs> we said like five different places where he said it. So there's in all of the obliviousness, there's actually some self awareness down there somewhere with Sasha Zverev, and it's a it's an interesting thing when you stumble across it. Fair enough. Yeah. No. I mean, it, this is the big question, right? I mean, like we had Reem on the the podcast yesterday talking about you know her read of the Zverev press conference and how she thought that he looked a bit you know, smug-ish, smug-adjacent mm-hmm. behind his mask uh, when he kind of said, you know, things just got interesting or whatever. You know, my point was that it'll be very interesting to see, like, for these new guys, like, especially, like, for two of them in particular, uh, Zverev and team, who kind of go into these events a lot of times kind of playing for second place. Like, they, they obviously, they're more ambitious than that, and especially Dominic has been to the finals, and so he has every right to believe that he can break through. But to then go from kind of feeling like, well, I'm just going to give it my good old college try and try and, you know, making a final is a win Yeah, in a lot of ways, right? To all of a sudden being like, Sasha, if you don't make the final, this is an utter failure. Yeah is a different type of pressure, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a different thing that you have to deal with. And um, so and I'll be interested. he dealt with that well in his career, really, about in terms of being expected to do big things before he's yeah. done them. That has been tough for him. When he's, yeah, that's true. He's kind of come out of the blue to, when he's had the success. Not out of the blue, but even like when we don't think that he's going to do anything because he's hitting like 80 double faults a, a match. Like he doesn't do that badly, you know, mm-hmm. at a big event or something. So yeah, so that's a different pressure for Sasha. Chorich, I just never know because it feels like, I mean, I kind of in my head think of Chorich as like next gen Grigor. Like, I feel like we've been talking about Born to Chorich forever. I feel like he's been around forever. I feel like I've always expected him to be really, really good. And well, he got never... big results young. I mean, like, he, be- I want to say he beat Murray or Nadal, one of them, when we were in Istanbul. If, so 2013, 2012. So he's been having results for a while. He was like 17 years old. I just remember this. I was, This is a stupid. This is how memory works. I, we were in the Istanbul press room in Istanbul at, when WTA Chance were there. Oh, so it was 2012 okay. or 2013. And okay. there was, Basel was happening the same week. And he got some big win in Basel. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So when he was a teenager. So he's been, yeah, he's posted results for a long time. Yeah. So it just, it, but, but I guess because of that, you know, he's what, 23 now? So 17 to 23, so six years. I feel like for six years, in a way, I've kind of thought of Borna Chorich as an underachiever. And maybe that's completely unfair, only because, you know, again, it's the the curse of having good early results 
you know, mm -hmm. then people expect things from you. Um, so I, but I've kind of become quite accustomed to not over, not like expecting him to deliver anymore. So I, I don't really a, know there. But I think that works to his advantage in a lot of ways here with what you're saying. He's the opposite of Zara right now. He goes in this match feeling like not much to lose, right? He already had his tournament life flash forth eyes with Sits the Pass, saving those five match points. And now similar thing against Zverev, who he's, who, yeah. it's the great situation where he's ranked well below him, but no one also thinks he should win this match. So he gets to play free. And then, yeah, in the next round, he could potentially get two guys ranked ahead of him in Carreno or Shapovalov. So those are, it's, it's not a bad deal for, for Borna. And it, it is a bad deal. I feel bad for Steph in this draw. I don't want to talk way, about it. The, the guy's eating hot dogs and leaping for signs on the street and sadly watching people hit tennis balls against a wall like it's a place he, of he, ennui he has a very specific way of doing emo that i find really <laughs> beautiful but also with Agreed. steph the one thing i want to say with steph so steph and i'm sure other players i'm not the biggest instagram follower of players but other people are i've seen both steph and milos ronich i believe on instagram like going around new york after they got eliminated right they're like hanging out in the city people who thought they were doing a quarantine waiver for European return because players can go straight from one strict bubble to another. Folks, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. It's not happening. Not what happened. Not what will happen. Just putting that out there. Uh, bottom half, boys. Andre Rublev won today over Matteo Berrettini uh, in a match that involved lots of hard hitting and emotions. Andre <laughs> Rublev, yeah, plays Medvedev next. Medvedev creamed Francis Tiafo today. That was fast. 4-1-0. and oh, It was fast. I got to say, Tiafo looked bad in that match. And even John McEnroe, not that I'm not, and I'm saying that John McEnroe can't be harsh, because he certainly can be, but he was like, it like, it was like 3-2 in the first, or 3-1, and he was like, and he was like, I'm not sure Francis has any game plan in this match. I just don't know if he knows, has any plan what he's doing. We'll see if he develops one. And Medvedev's and I, I, flummoxed him before. Like, yeah, Medvedev, Medvedev's beaten him a couple times before. Yeah. Australia, but they were closer than this. They, but I, I was confident Medvedev this match. Medvedev is my pick to win the tournament. I mean, he was my pick to make the final already. I just, I like him against a team on a fastish court, you know? And then I think that he's been good against Zverev, at least very relatively recently. I think Zverev originally dominated the head-to-head. -head. There's like the weird triangle trade of Zverev, Medvedev, and Tsitsipas in their head-to-head. So they're like all lopsided and for a changing direction. So Zverev is mm. good against, and I'm getting ahead of myself How's here. Medvedev against team, generally? Um, I don't know. I, I couldn't, couldn't tell you, but I can look this up. But Medvedev, I just think, is the one guy who, like, knows he can do it here, right? Even more than team, who had has had three slam finals, one of which was decently competitive in Australia this year. Although, like, even then, I never fully believed he was going to win that match, honestly. Right. Medvedev came real close at this tournament last year, right? So Medvedev has the most direct reasons for belief, I truly feel. I think that's yeah. I think that's good for him. I think that he, against Rublev, who's playing well. Rublev has been, like, one of the breakout stars of 2020. That's, like... But I feel like Medvedev is perfectly built to make Rublev uncomfortable and to unsettle Rublev's spectacular but fairly one-track game in terms yeah. of just power, 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 power. And, th and that's what Medvedev does. That's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's he's built his entire career on that is just undermining specifically that kind of north-south game and being able to flummox opponents in that way. I mean, a great tournament for Rublev, by the way. That's been really cool to see and, and very exciting. And yeah, I, I'm genuinely, I have to say, I mean, I'm genuinely curious to see how these four matches turn out. Like, I would absolutely watch all of them, you know, 
voluntarily and willingly, which isn't always the case at this stage in the, in the men's tournament. I mean, just to be real. So thing is with this tournament, they are all relevant now, these matches. And yeah. we just haven't had that in men's tennis in a long time because you really could ink the big three into the it, late rounds. It makes a huge difference now that the tournament's wide open, legitimately. It's great. It's, it's, it's welcome to women's thing. tennis. This is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. This is the thing. This is the loud thing that, that yes, welcome to a new way to experience Grand Slam tennis, men, uh, you know, ATP tennis fans. Like, this is this is what it is. It, it's going into the second week, looking at the, the slate of names, you know, the eight names that, that you have in front of you and being like, instead of kind of almost writing off people, you're kind of sitting there making the case for every single one of them. And that's really what it's like, like as a women's tennis fan is like you look at those magic eye posters, you know, and you you see, you stare at that that slate of eight players and you relax your eyes and slowly you different things pop out. And you're like, well, I mean, there's an argument Putintseva could do this. Like, who's to say she can't? And that's what we get used to. And that's where we are with with the with the guys this this year. And I mean, I'm totally here for it. I love it. That we'll get to her later, but that magic eye scenario is literally what I did with Bronkova on the draw show, and it worked. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. why not? Because, but that's the thing is that the women's draws. Whenever we look at them and we do the draw shows, a lot, of, pretty much every single major, you're looking at the draw, and the the question really is like, who can you eliminate? Yeah. Not like who can you make a case for? And I feel like with the men's draws, it's the other way. It's the other way around. You have to be like, which one of these guys can beat Novak, Rafa, Roger, like whatever, da da da. Yeah. Whereas like for the women, it's a little bit more kind of like, I mean, who can we honestly eliminate? Like, you know, and, and you kind of go that way. To, and famously, in my mind, not really that famous, actually, 2018 <laughs> Singapore field, I remember, eight players in it. I looked at it, the draw and it said seven of these people can win. There's no way Svitolina yeah. wins this tournament, but the rest <laughs> yeah. can all win very credibly. To be fair. And lo and, lo and behold, Svitolina won the tournament. You weren't the only one to say that. I mean, that was the whole narrative of that year. Completely. was like, literally, everyone forgot you were here, Alina Svitolina. Nobody thought you deserved to be in this field. Nobody thinks that you're a top eight player at this point in the yeah. season because she had, you know, played so poorly in the second half of the season. Yeah. And then she goes and, you know, Sibolkova. Right. Yeah. I mean, like last one to qualify, like on a. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyways, the men, the men have not had that. I'm excited for the men to have that. I'm excited for the men to have some spicy boys playing with some egos and some personalities, not trying to be loved all the time. For the most part, it's going to be nice. Are there a lot of those players in that? I mean, outside of Medvedev, who doesn't want to be loved all the time in that group of eight? I don't think they're trying to dull themselves down in the same way the big three do. Is what I'm saying. You know, I feel like they're not as like careful with their personalities maybe we'll see we'll see we'll see we'll see i pulled up your head-to-head -head. i got your stats here team two and one career against medvedev although medvedev won the most recent meeting last year in canada three and one during his summer tear so that'd be the most comparable match okay. uh, team had beat him previously in the barcelona final earlier that 2019 year and then also i have no memory of that and then also <laughs> in uh st petersburg 2018 Indoor hard team beat him in a third set tiebreak. So not bad from Medvedev is my take. That's not bad from Medvedev. Yeah, no. the indoor in a third breaker. Okay, that's fair. And that yeah, Canada, no, Canada I... route, I like it from Medvedev. Yeah. I still think Medvedev. And so our last quarter here, speaking of Dominic team, 
who, speaking of Canada, blasted through Felix Ojeale, seeing today 6-1-1. One, and one. Did not see that, that score really, coming. I was really bummed about that, I gotta say. Yeah, I don't know. Team... I, and again, I am not a, a, a men's tennis aficionado. And I have to say that I very much enjoyed, Ben, the second half of the podcast last night with Alex Gruskin. I was so chuffed you listened. I did. I actually listened. As Ben knows, I very rarely listen to NCR. I just mm-hmm. record it. Um, but uh, but I did listen because I was curious because you've been a big Gruskin fan for a while. And I was like, I got to see what this kid's about. Amazing. Loved him. Feel free to replace me with him. Like he was totally he was so good. He was so good. Um, and I really appreciated like listening to somebody talk about men's tennis the way that in my head I imagine like women's tennis fans talk about women's tennis. Like, you know, like with the same kind of enthusiasm and self-deprecation. And because sometimes I don't know, sometimes like people talk about men's tennis and it's way too self-serious. Yeah. And I so I appreciated Alex's tone with all of the knowledge and everything. So that was great. I will I will on his behalf he'd want me to do this. He has wanted to get you on his podcast forever. So I'm gonna extend his invite to you in this moment. And so this you, is just you pro- set a trap for yourself. Alex, there. I've I've read I've I got your email. I read it. I was in a very bad mental space when I got it. I apologize <laughs> for not responding to you. That was rude, but I just was not there. <laughs> It's been a. I will write, I will write you you're, back. You're making it like a one-time thing. I feel like it's been a lifelong wish of his. I'm not sure there's only been one email, but anyway, I'm just saying, uh, we'll make that he happen. Caught, after. He caught me in a particularly rough time during after the, the during after the, the pandemic. After the open, I'm volunteering you. You can do this. You can you can go and be on the show. He, he happy to do it. it. Happy to do it. Yeah. So team crushed OG Alassim, who had a great run before that, really cleaning up against Murray and Mute. Team gets Alex Dimonar who is this sort of fun entrant into this last group. Demon is a super... F- I haven't actually watched that much of his matches here. Just the way his schedule's worked, I haven't been watching much Demon. But, you know, he's a great competitor. I don't like his matchup against Team. I don't know if he has weapons to hang with Team, per se. So I think it's a bad draw for him. I would have been more interested to see him against, like, a Zverev or a Shapo. Yeah. But... I could see that. But, but on a quicker yeah. court, you know, I, I think, you know, a quicker court helps Demon a lot in terms of creating the sp- the pace and speed for him were you watching so, team and, and felix because i didn't watch yeah, much of that. Well, I did. what, hap- what happened there i mean outside of a crap game from from team trying to serve it out at five three i want to say and he got broken and then that eventually went to tie break and he took the tie break but outside of that i mean team was great but felix was just bad he, he wasn't because the only other match that I'd seen from Felix was against Andy. And obviously Andy was not 100% whatever, but I was so impressed by specifically how well um, Felix served in that match. Mm. And so, again, I don't watch a ton, so I don't know if that was like, oh my gosh, he was like peak redlining or if that was normal. So then watching him against team, I don't know. I haven't always been really big on Felix. I'm not, I haven't caught up with the hype. Like, I know that he gets hyped and I don't get it quite yet because every time I tune in, he's getting like blitzed by Isner in Miami. And then now he gets blitzed by by team here. And yeah, but I was watching I was watching and I had the commentary on. It just sounded like everybody was saying that that Felix was just playing very, very poorly. And Dominic was playing very, very well. That's all. Who's your who's your pick at this point to win this men's tournament? Medi. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Medi. Now that Gofan's out. I mean, that was, that's like a sentimental pick you're saying then. Or do you actually yeah, think Gofan would win this? But, okay, fair. No, I wanted Gofan to win just because. Gofan like looks like he bulked up, by the way, by the way. There was some brand in yeah. that muffin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
He got raisins in the bicep. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I just wanted it because it was the most in my head, like one of the more chaotic results that I would have really appreciated. And I kind of don't want anybody from next gen, next gen winning it quite yet. I do want, I, I would, outside of like Vashik, I want, I, I think I specifically asked Ben, I was like, who's left that's older than team? I want that person to win. So like, but whatever, like. Yeah, Medvedev. I just I I have watched Medvedev is one of the ATP players that I will tune in to watch, regardless yeah. of who he's playing, where he's playing. I just enjoy watching he's his tennis. So fun to watch, man. Yeah. Like just watching him lank about the court and hit the ball. It's cool. Yeah. And just it's his aura. Like, you know, like he walks out there like a damn bean pole, like carrying twenty different bags. His his the way he speaks, you know, so intelligently and fluidly, his accent, just the whole thing. His hair, it doesn't make sense. It all, it's all great. I, I, I dig the total package, and I know he's had some issues in the past and and whatever. But, um, but yeah, I like watching him hit a tennis ball. I'm sorry. Let's talk about some women's tennis now. Let's go. Jen Brady featured in the New York Times today by yours truly. Oh, as her first quarterfinal tomorrow at noon against Yulia Putintseva. Brady has been dominating people out here. Winning three and two over Blinkova, one and two over Bellis, three and three against Garcia, and one and four against Kerber. And Kerber did not play bad in that match. Like that, like Kerber really, really was solid in that match. And still, Brady got in front early and never relented. And Kerber, because because it's Kerber and because Brady's untested, I was I was always thinking this could flip, this could change if Kerber can actually do something. But Brady just did not relent. Her game looks like so steady and reliable right now. She's she's not redlining on any level. She's just like hitting it big and big targets and making it. And when you can do that against a Kerber who could send your pace back, you know, with interest and run down balls and everything, I was so impressed. I feel like if you can beat Kerber, you can beat Poots. I'm not that worried about, even though she's 0-2 against Putin Seva. Yeah, she's never beaten Putin Seva in the past. And obviously, this is a new Jen Brady. So it's kind of like the one new of those Jen kind Brady. of like... Does anyone get that reference? No one does. I make it all the time. Mary Carillo did. Mary, Mary Carilla did. Mary Carilla did, yes. But yeah, no, it's the new Jen Brady. So a lot of the old head to heads, it's tough to kind of read into too much. It's kind of like sometimes with Naomi, you know, pre 2017 head to heads because she's been on tour for a while. Actually, and Kerber like that, had but... this too. Kerber had kind of like an early, yes, I want to say irrelevant, less relevant career mm-hmm. for several years being on tour, being like a 70 through 100 kind Ash. of player. Ash is yeah. another one. You know, so so there's a lot of those sorts of things where you have to like look a little bit closer to to the head to heads. I think the Putinsova can still cause Jen Brady issues. She does. She is dealing with a leg injury that she was pretty concerned about in her her match against Kerber and recovery is going to be was going to be difficult. She's obviously had the day off and hopefully that leg is good. But if it's not good, then it does impact her on her serve. It does impact her on her backhand in particular. So those two shots, Putinsova is going to dig in and she's going to, you know, hit those drop shots and make, pull Jen Brady in and force Brady at the net. And Brady plays some doubles and things like that, but she's not super outstanding at the net. She plays doubles usually on the baseline. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what the part of the matchup where I think uh, we're going to see. I mean, there's a craftiness about... Putintseva's game, as we all know, that that could unwind a not 100% firing Brady. That being said, if if Brady is serving well, which I think she should be able to, I don't think that the leg should impact no. that too much. But if she's serving well and there, so then therefore can hold pretty pretty easily, she'll get her chances to break the put serve. She downplayed her leg when I was talking to her after her match, after the curb match. I did one on one with her, and I don't know how much of that is not wanting to send the competition. Hey, I'm limping messages uh, especially when you know poots is uh 
a shark in those waters. Yeah, I, I'm not too worried whether, about that. I, whether I, you walk out on one leg or two, Poots already smells blood in the water. So you can true. give her the whole you can give her the whole playbook. It doesn't matter. Like she will come Cre- for your throat. Credit to Poots for doing what we didn't think she could do when we looked at this. She came out of the most open section, I believe, of this draw. Yeah. As we were saying. But credit to her for playing well on a fast court, which is not something she's really done previously. Granted, she beat Osaka at Wimbledon last year, first round, and I beat her on at Birmingham, I believe, last year too. True. So she has had some faster court wins, but this is impressive. And like I did not think she beat Sasnovich in the third round. I thought Sasnovich had that. I thought Sasnovich was lining up well for this section. And Poots lost the first set, then went two and one in the second and third set. So credit to Poots. Poots is in her third Grand Slam quarterfinal. She's been in these parts for a while, so a slam wouldn't be out of nowhere. All three times she's faced Americans in those quarterfinals. Serena, French Open, Madison, French Open, and now now Brady in the... uh, No, I I thought she was going to go... I thought she was going to go out to Martich Mm. for sure. I I really thought that Martich had that. Yeah, I mean, Putintseva said herself, she's like, I practiced on these courts for the first time, and... I was like, what did you think? She's like, I said, what the hell? Like, what the hell is this? Why Why are these courts like this? This makes no sense. And But she said that having the, the tournament the week before the Western and Southern gave her time to kind of like get used to it. And she made adjustments. She shortened her swing, she said, yeah. um, to to speed things up and, and just, um, yeah, just got, got acclimated. And she's a smart player. She's a tactically very smart player. So, yeah, it, I'm, I'm happy for her, honestly. Like, I think I think it's great that she's made the quarterfinals. I'm really stoked for her. Yeah, when you're able to win this much at the pros and in juniors, when you're short by tour standards, like you know what you're doing. Like you're you're savvy. There's there's a brain in that in that busy yeah. poot's head for sure. The second quarter of the draw features Naomi Osaka, 2018 champion, who got who has dropped two sets in this tournament. One in the first round to Masaki Doi, and then had a really easy win over Camilla George in the second round. And then I had a tight match, uh, tighter than the final score really reveals. It's Marta Kostiuk, which wound up being yeah. 6-2 in the third, but felt very knife edge early in that third set for sure before Osaka kind of cleaned it up at the very end. And then she beat Contivate in the fourth round. So Osaka's in here, another person carrying a, a thigh injury. A lot of thigh injuries in the world. Everybody's side. taped up in the yeah. leg except for like Vika, hmm. ironically. Like, hmm. I mean, Mukova had taped today. Oh, Mertens isn't taped up, I don't think. But yeah, it's all it's all one leg. And I think it's, it's almost always... Um, the leg that um, comes up on the on the serve, left leg. I don't most know players. Yeah, yeah. M- for most players, it's always it's been the left leg that gets taped up. It's kind of weird, but yeah, I don't know. Osaka gets face Shelby Rogers here. Shelby Rogers, one of the two players receiving a significant NCR bump in this tournament. Both our guests for first week are still alive. That speaks very well of us. We only ask for ten percent of each of their prize money. Not much. That's all. And with the, you know, so that's like a solid $90,000 for us. We're doing okay. Not, actually yes. not that much yet. Yeah, that's right. Wow. That's 90. <laughs> anyway, it's more than I'm making this week. Osaka plays Shelby Rogers. Shelby, I don't think people have watched a lot of Shelby, but Shelby's just like, is playing her brand of power tennis very, very well. I, I kind of think she's like a less, a, a, a more, Brady plays a more top spin heavy, as she says, boys style of tennis because she played growing up with guys and plays a kind of guys tennis. Shelby is like, to me, very traditional Maricarilla, big babe tennis, right? Like women's tennis, hard, flat, aggressive tennis. And that battle with Kvitova was so good. That match was so fantastic. It's, it's one of those matches, like if you, I do this sometimes, I do this during Wimbledon where there's middle Sunday. I used to anyway. There's a match you didn't get to watch first week and you want to pull it up on the DVR and watch it afterwards. Go watch Rogers Kvitova. It is 
fantastic. It's a it's a darn shame that like obviously and understandably everybody was, right was busy the with other thing, drama, yeah. other drama. Yeah. Not after it was during all mm-hmm. of the the no, the Novak drama. So obviously everybody was covering that. But um, that match was great. And one of the things that I think has been really really good for um, in terms of of what Shelby's done in this week, and she did it in Lexington as well, is that yes, she does play power tennis and it is big babe tennis, but. What she did against Pliskova was, or a Kvitova was, she dug in. She actually defended, and she sat there and took the barrage from Kvitova, absorbed the pace, holding and still holding her baseline position, so not getting pushed back by by Kvitova, who hit fifty seven, no fifty eight winners. And as she said in her Czech press conference, I needed fifty nine. Hmm. She had match points, four match points against Shelby, only one on her racket, and she hit a double fault. So that's the one that's on Kvitova, but the other three, Shelby stepped up and saved cleanly. Mm -hmm. So that was what I thought was really impressive with Shelby is that I'm so used to seeing her go out there and smack winners and try and be aggressive, and sometimes she lands them and sometimes she doesn't. And But against Kvitova and against Serena as well, like she played complete matches on both sides of the ball, like both offensively and defensively. That is where, you know, if I'm an Osaka or a Wim, I'm definitely more concerned than, you know, the Shelby of old. And the Shelby of old still beat the Naomi of old, what, three, two and oh, two and oh, three and oh. Yeah, Naomi's never beaten her. So, yeah, that's an issue there. Um, I think it'll be a really good match. I don't think Shelby will be nervous. Her coach was incredibly cagey today in his press conference. It was weird. So I think it's going to be a great match. And it's, I think that it'll be Naomi because she's been at this stage and there's just, what's that stat? Every time Naomi's made the quarterfinals of a slam, she's won it. Oh, that's a good stat. So, yeah. So there's that stat. So, yeah. Like once she gets into this phase, I think Naomi really wants to use, wants to show everybody the masks. I think she wants to show everybody the seven masks. She might not win the final, depending on who's across the net there. But I, I think that there's there's something about her. It's, it's been a different uh, Naomi for, for this first week. It was very different, obviously, in terms of cause and everything. But this reminds me a, a little bit of Venus Williams' 99 U.S. Open. She brought seven outfits. They were just yeah. like different colors. And the one for the final, after the semifinal, which she lost to Hingis, Heartbreaker, she revealed the outfit for the final was going to be red, white, and blue. And she never got oh. to wear it. Oh, uh, the pain. 21-year-old uh, Venus pain, as in pain from 21 years ago. <laughs> Yikes. I always feel it <laughs> in my soul. Speaking of throwback, Svetlana Parankova is in this tournament in the quarterfinals. We, I, we talked about her on the show half-jokingly in the draw show, for sure. But, like, she's been unbelievable. We had her on the episode, obviously, day two. But after that, she goes out and beats Muguruza. Five and three, very solid. Muguruza didn't play bad match per se. Prankova just beat her. I mean, okay, you can make faces at that, which people see on the video version of this, which we're posting. But I thought she was solid. Vekic, again, she's good at making people uncomfortable. She's somebody yes. for what, what, make, what impressed me about Prankova is after being out for so long, her tennis IQ is really good. Oh, and yeah. for today against Cornet, which she, which I thought was over because Prankova had one match point, I believe, in the second set. And then played a really kind of lousy end of that second set. Missed several really easy putaways at the net that she could have just creamed. That could have really given her that match. She comes back in the third set and really changes her tactics a lot. Becomes much more aggressive to hit through Cornet, which I don't know why she wasn't doing that the whole time, honestly. But because <laughs> you you know don't want to get in track meet with Cornet. That's some of the strategy. You don't want to get into forty shot rallies with Alize no, Cornet. Which, which she was doing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Parankova comes through there. 
and yeah you know she really hasn't lost she hasn't lost a match in three years put it that way so she's someone to absolutely watch obviously she gets serena next but let's just talk about talk about peronka first what you've seen from her this week i think she's been a I delight mean, on court and off oh a delight on court and off 100 percent. enrico maria riva our good friend and and stat head tweeted that the last time that peronka won back-to-back matches on a hard court guess I mean, yeah, you said it's impressed when she made the when she won Sydney, right? In 2014. When she won Sydney as a qualifier. Yeah. Based off we did that interview with Peronkova, obviously as an NCR podcast, as well as like a WTA Insider interview. So I ended up writing a whole thing on her. And one of the reasons why I wanted to write it was because there's a part of me in the back of my head that was like, do people know who Svetana Peronkova is? Like, has the generation of tennis fans or tennis pundit like changed over too much in the last four years that we just completely like nobody knows who this person is and what the cult of her is it's a good question she's a cult player how hipster is she right because like as a fan think it's like i have i am that that tennis nerd you are that you are that bitch yeah (laughs) who remembers Parankova beating venus in the australian open 2006 first round wearing her bulgaria jacket that she like pointed to the back of afterwards i rewatched highlights that match this week (laughs) Pronko had the long ponytail in the back and this really annoying grunt, which mm. I had forgotten about, which she got rid of. So it can be done, people. You can get rid of your grunt and you'll be a better watch for it. Anyway, yeah, Pronko has been there. She's beaten. That was the first of three times she beat Venus Williams at slams. The second two times both coming at Wimbledon, where Venus is, is a queen among queens. And in, oh, in 2010, 2011, those matches were quarters in 2010, fourth round 2011. You know, she was up a set in the semifinals of Wimbledon in, I think with this a lot with Brunkova. She was up a set in the semifinals of Wimbledon against Vonareva. If she wins that match, if you make a Wimbledon final, everyone will remember you forever. That was kind of her chance at like. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Quote immortality. unquote immortality, or at least like a signature moment. Because people forget the semi because people just don't. Anyway, but she's she's an incredibly good streak player, I guess. When things are clicking for her. And I haven't watched enough when things aren't clicking to know what's not working when things are not working because she hasn't been relevant. She's never been a top 30 player, which is crazy. But for her to be in her fourth slam quarter now, fifth, fifth, fourth, eh, a lot. To, for, to never be top 30 and make four slam quarters spaced out that much on three different services, it's crazy. And, and the talent is real and yeah, the legend is real. And Because when she's good, like when she was beating Venus at Wimbledon, Venus was not bad. Right. Like she just like peaked Parankova as a thing. Well, and, and the thing about it, I was thinking about this today as I was watching her play Cornet because because the first three rounds beating Samsonova, Muguruza, and Vekic, I don't think any of them had ever played her. Maybe Vekic, but Muguruza had never played her. Um, and definitely San- and Ludmilla is too young. So I was kind of like, oh, I kind of think that Prankova can get those wins because she plays a type of tennis that you just don't see really on the tour that much maybe an alley risk gets a little bit close to it just in terms of kind of the flatness and and things but even then it's still it's just not the same because Pronkova's hands are so clean and so good that she doesn't even need any take back it's almost like a Kamiko Date kind of situation in terms of just pure contact and the inside out backhands which is like her signature shot you don't see right. that, that much you yeah. don't see that and it's and it's a gorgeous shot and so um yeah so those three wins did not surprise me Against Cornet, I was like, you guys have played before. You know each other from, like, juniors. Like, you know, this. And I think in a lot of ways, that's why that match was kind of a three-set 
tug of war because it's almost the first time where I felt like Peronkova kind of had revertigo. Like she just kind of became the Peronkova of before the she left the tour and was making a few kind of decisions that didn't make sense. And, you know, this was the Peronkova that never cracked the top 30. Right. That in, in certain moments of that match, you know, um, but she gutted it out and I couldn't believe that she did. Um, and that was what was really impressive to me was was getting this win over Cornet, because I think that after especially dropping, yeah, as you said, after that second set, I was expecting like six two Cornet and Prankva just, yeah, adjusted. And she's a total tennis head. And, you know, her, you learn how to play tennis because her father was a tennis coach and family has like, you know, just tennis in the genes and on the brain. And so, yeah, her tennis IQ is 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 really high. And so that's been really cool. I just think I would love to see a Fitzvatana take on Serena just for kicks. I mean, she's never beaten Serena. I don't think she's won a set. Maybe she's won one set off of Serena, maybe. Maybe. I believe they played, I would have to look at their head maybe. to head. I, I, I want to say that it's they like played five each other. It's like 5-0 or something. I want to say Their they last match was Cincy 2015. I, I want to say they played each other when Serena was coming back from her embolism in Eastbourne. I, mm. I have some memory of that. I'm not sure if that's a- accurate at all, but I think that match happened. That's my yeah. bronc of a memory. Two thoughts on that. The fitness thing, Everybody in this tournament has super duper impressed me with their fitness. Okay, almost like except there are a couple people who lost first round, maybe second round occasionally, who like were out of gas, who didn't look ready. The one who comes to mind for this is actually Schwartzman, who looked really out of gas in his first round loss to Cam Nori, where he was up two sets to none, I believe, and then just kind of petered and was cramping by the end. And that's very un Diego. And I think he had had compromised training with the quarantine and things being mm. closed in in Argentina, things like that. Other than that, once we got kind of past the first turn of this of this race, everybody's fitness has impressed me a ton, men's, women's, and the tennis has been good and better than expected. Peronkova, I mentioned this in relation to her, because Peronkova was aiming for a comeback to tour in March or April and then got pushed back with the pandemic. So she's been in like a fitness training block going pretty full speed for like a solid eight months. So she's been really, she's ready, more ready yeah. to go than she has any business being than you usually ever see a player having this long of an on-ramp onto tour. And it, it's worth noting two things in relation to, to the fitness and, and the good fitness that we've seen. It hasn't been as crazy hot in New York as, as maybe we used no. to, we're used to seeing. I mean, it just hasn't been. It's been humid and it's been hot, but it's been nothing like what I think it could be um, when we've seen, you know, cramping and things like that. There's just been not much of that at all. Um, the second thing as well is the quicker courts. Yeah. Shorter points, easier holds, easier on the body. Like, uh, you know, match times are not going crazy. Yeah. Right. You know, like and even, even, the, with, the, even with fewer ball kids and things that will slow it down. Even yeah. with all the all those things, even the five setters, they're not going crazy, you know. So I think that like I said, like I keep tweeting, like I just really hope the U.S. Open keeps this situation 100 percent untouched because especially I mean, this is had these been slow courts like, OK, whatever. They haven't played for six months, et cetera, et cetera. But like. We've said this a gazillion times, like to play an entire season and then go into the eighth or ninth month of your season and have to chase high bouncing balls on a gritty hard court in the humidity and heat of New York. That is just a violation of the Geneva Convention. Like just lay down freaking ice and just get that tournament done, you know? So I think that has a little bit to do with that. But I agree with you. I mean, the fitness has been good. The quality of tennis has been great. So, you know, the two things that we were kind of worried about haven't really panned out, which is good. I agree. As much as I enjoy being a negative Nancy, I'm also happy to be You hate a... tennis, so. Well, yeah, I've been told that. Uh, Serena Williams likes tennis. She plays Peronkova in the quarterfinals. Serena today won a three-setter over Maria Sakkari. 
a high quality match yeah. for sure. Uh, Sakari actually out aced her in the match, was serving really well, playing really well. Serena, who lost to Sakari last week in quote unquote Cincinnati, turned around this week. Serena had previously come back from a really rough first set against Sloan. In the third round, Sloan won the first set 6-2 before Serena turned that around. Sloan was looking really, it was like really like vintage Sloan in that match. I was like, oh boy, Sloan's going to do the thing, huh? And then she didn't do the thing whatsoever. But Serena has looked good, I think. I mean, not like, not like, oh damn, this is her tournament good. But the match against Sakari, Sakari, I still struggle with that, was impressive. And I like her against Parankova. I like her in the, you know, against Avika. She's been very, you know, she's lost a few times, but she's won way more. And she knows how to beat Vika. And then Mertens is not a player who's won a match like Serena in a slam semi before. So I don't know. I think things are kind of going okay for Serena right now. I think so as well. And I, and I said this during Cincinnati, I think that, and maybe even during um, Lexington, that I think it's really, really good that she's playing these three set matches. I think that it's really good that these players that she probably goes in thinking that I should railroad these, these players are pushing her, you know, before the U.S. Open. Because in my opinion, it would mean that she goes into the U.S. Open understanding her not fragility that's overstating things, but at least being slightly insecure, being slightly aware going into every single one of these matches that this isn't going to be two and one and the crowd goes wild. This right. isn't going to be you dominating through two weeks. It's just not. And you need to be ready for that. And I think that that has been a trap that has been set for her due to her own early her own success, like in the early rounds of, of slams since she's she's come back, where then when she does have to really dig deep and dig down and things are not going well, there is a little bit more of panic and frustration. And I think that today's match against Sakari was really the culmination of everything that I think is true on this with Serena because, you know, she she plays a great first set, breaks Sakari once, that's all she needs, takes it. Second set, can't break Sakari or Sakari, gets taken to a breaker, Sakari takes it. And at that point, Serena, I don't know, I was expecting her to break a racket. I was expecting her to be vocal about her frustration, to mope a little bit for the first mm -hmm. 10 to 15 minutes after that set. And she didn't. She dug right back in immediately. She, um, I remember there was a hold from Sakari maybe in the first game or second game of that set. And Sakari held, but there was one long point that Sakari built so well, was pushing Serena back and forth. And Serena had to defend and just, and she won the point, but just that she did that early you know she dug in and showed like yeah no i am it's the third set and i'm gonna run and i'm gonna dig in i was like that's the serena that's gonna win a slam yeah especially after how she quit against sakari last week yeah like that was i think an important message to send yeah and 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 that's and that's what i think i needed to see and i wanted to see and so i think that was great seeing her pop a 124 at 3 3 30 all in the third set was also a very good sign and i just think that like this was the best three set of composed, problem-solving, tactically smart Serena that we've seen from the restart was today in, in this match. So I was I was really impressed. I think that's great. I think that that bodes really, really well for her. And and hopefully now it just becomes about the tennis. I had, I had kind of a thought while you were talking there. Would cool. Serena ever be able to do something like, and just in terms of having three-step battles, I was thinking this, could Serena, and it doesn't work without a crowd, this scenario, 
would she ever ever able to be doing something along the lines of like a 91 jimmy connors could serena <laughs> ever be like that kind of like sentimental this you know old fighter still got a few punches left like rally people think is that in her personality at all to ever do what like more recently Leighton Hewitt did that but Leighton was way past his expiration date in a lot of ways but like is Serena Serena's been such an alpha for her whole career do you think she ever really could come to enjoy like the scrappy old-timer role which I don't think obviously ranking why she's still top 10 and everything she's not there yet but like I don't know I was thinking that is that a hat Serena could ever really wear I think that Serena could wear it. You know, I mean, Venus does, I think. Yeah. Right? I think that, that Serena, though, unfortunately, to, like, be issued that hat, one must, like, hold that hat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she would have to, I mean, when you're talking about Venus, when you're talking about Jimmy Connors, when you're talking about Leighton, you know, those players who have had that, you're talking about players who, where the, when the success came, it came so surprisingly and that becomes the Cinderella story. I mean... If you consistently over the last couple of years come within one match of getting, you're not an underdog, you're right? I mean, people, no. right? I mean, she's still coming into this tournament. Maybe people don't think that she's the the single favorite. Like people were taking like the field over Serena. I think was mostly what everybody was kind of taking at the start of the event. But I was um, taking Naomi over Serena, even. Yeah, no, but I, I mean, still it just am, yeah. you know, we still kind of yeah, yeah, but. If you're in, if you're on the short list of favorites, then right. no, you are not a sentimental favorite. I don't yeah. think. And she's the high seed left in the. She's the second high seed left in the tournament. Number three, obviously, number one Pliskova is out. So just her. I'm sorry, no, no, she's the highest seed left in the tournament. Excuse me, yeah, with yeah. Kenan out, she's the highest yeah. seed left in the tournament. Kenan segue went out to Elisa Mertens, uh, who has been. I feel like Elisa is like so under the radar based on her personality, just being like super chill, low country gal. You know, nothing, nothing too flashy here. I, I watched the match against McNally. Uh, that was a good comeback. McNally looked like she was going to win that first set. She went in straight. It's very kind of routine against Kennan. Um, she's kind of the best player you're not talking about in a lot of ways, I feel like, for most people. Can absolutely win this tournament, for sure. And then they, hopefully we start getting talked about then. She's just super business-like and professional and just, like, such an adult out there in a lot of ways. And, you yeah. know, and, and she's going up against Azarenka. In a match that I think can be pretty 50-50. Because I feel like it's one of those things you say about watching the tour, Courtney. Like, and people can hopefully tell us from a ranking. But Elise Mertens has done a lot of winning. Like, yeah. she's won titles that were big enough titles. Like, she made the semis of Australia. Like, she's done things while you weren't looking. And she's, sort of the, yeah. Yeah, she, she's the next tier Svitolina. And I don't, I mean, I mean that as a compliment. Like, she is the work. Results-wise, you mean, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. from 11 to 20 25 like she is that player and always a danger you don't want a player tough out all around game like perfectly balanced and she's come back to this restart i mean she's played non-stop the last three or four weeks she picked up she lost in the first round of palermo but then makes the final of Prague, loses to on clay loses to halep does the quick flip from clay to the fast courts in new york for cincinnati and makes the semifinals loses in three sets to osaka those are her two losses in the last three weeks is to two top 10 players. That's what it's taken to, to get Aliza Mertens out. And today, tonight against Kennan, she hit seven unforced errors over two sets, 20 winners. She was serving incredibly well, returning incredibly well. I mean, she's very, very confident right now. And she, and just as Aliza wants it, I mean, she's, she's under the radar. She doesn't have to deal with all of the 
accoutrement that comes with being a a um a top player into the late rounds of of a tournament. So, you know, she's able to keep very even keel and I it sounds like having spoken to her coach Roba Sessins, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um I call him in my head Robbie, but I know it's not Robbie, it's Roba. Roba, I don't know. But uh but he was saying Rob. that during <laughs> yeah, Rob, um that during the off season, you know, or the, the shutdown, they did a lot of work on her game and, and um, really improved just kind of how offensively finding an aggressive game style that Aliza is um, comfortable with because she's not she's more of a defensive minded player if mm -hmm. left to her own devices. She's really shown that since she's come out. She's played more aggressively. The winner counts are pretty high for her. She's not just like, you know, standing at the back of the court. So she's one to watch and people forget she's the only one that took a set off BB uh, Andrescu last year. She was the closest mm. person to beat her in the quarterfinals of, of the US Open last year. So, you know, has made a slam semi before. This is not new territory for Lisa. And I think that her game and Vika's game, I think it's a total toss up. I think that they match up really well. I have a theory that's so below your pay grade, but I'm gonna throw it at you anyway. Oh god. I feel like people don't process Elise Mertens as a player slash person entity on tour as well as they should, because her name is so close to Burton's. They kind of blur those two together and they're like, Oh yeah, that you know, that that girl from you know Benelux country, girl. Benelux girl who's like who seems nice and like a little bit shy and like hits the ball pretty hard and is good and like gets some good results. Maybe that one slam semi, you know, um, yeah, her. Yeah, we like her. She's fine. Like, I feel like they get blurred together, right? And so now Kiki is not here. Elisa has a chance to sort of establish her own self as her own, to really put the M in Mertens and not just be the other Ertens. Because I think that, like, doesn't, I think Brad Gilbert <laughs> calls her, like, calls Mertens her, like, Mertens Mertens, Mertens. Yeah, it's yeah, like, blends them together, which I'm not saying it's, like, offensive or anything, because God knows Brad has worse nicknames. But I I, I just think there's a chance for, for her to, to make a name for herself here. Or she could lose Azarenka, who has been solid and yep. looks sharp and is has that swagger back for sure it never and that self-belief and that's what she'll tell you i don't believe it i saw her lose to sigmund the australian open it was gone this run for her was was good i mean one and three over sabalenka beating sviantek who played well beating mukova who played well got was hurt clearly physically ailing in that match mukova but vika vika looks ready to be very much in the mix with this this tournament she can win this if she's going to get herself in fights and we haven't seen she has the edge and the belief that was missing before. The game yeah. didn't drift that far, but the the mental edge side, which was so key to her, was not there. And now yeah. she has that back. And I think she can beat anybody remaining in the bottom half and potentially Osaka too. Well, why not? Why not? No, I think so. I mean, I keep thinking, gosh, are we going to get the Cincy final we didn't get? Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. You know, so that's a possibility. I would love to see this Serena play this Vika. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, we remember what happened when they played each other in Indian Wells, and Vika was playing crap around Great that match. time. Yeah. But that match was so good, and she elevated, and she played Serena so, so great that night. Best two-set match of last year would have been that match. So I would love to see them lock horns again here. And yeah, I mean, Vika's been Vika, and vintage in a lot of ways, you know? I mean, more mature, I think, and, and taking it all... You know, with a level of, I think, gratitude and humility that I think is very true that maybe the old Vika would have been a little bit more, maybe you've gotten the brunt end of it more than I have been, but, you know, a little bit more, I don't know, brass knuckly about things yeah. and, you know, a little bit more spiky. But my experience with her and, and just kind of observing her and, and how she's dealing with everything the last couple of weeks has been really nice. I mean, she's been really full of positivity and, and yeah, I've, I've been really, I've been really 
pleasantly surprised that as Vika has gotten her swagger back, it hasn't been the Vika with the swagger of a decade ago, which was a different Vika. Which is just obnoxious swagger. so often. And so could be. I, I mean, one could call it that. I, I do think, yeah, even my obviously one exchange with her about what was it even about is, oh, it's about the stoppage that she got upset me asking about in Cincinnati. Even that was like, you know, relatively one moment thing. Like otherwise with me, she's been fine. Everybody else, she's been fine. She's not reflexively difficult person that she was in press eight nine years ago so that's been better and yeah you know she still has her moments of of doing things that are characteristically her in terms of her way her kind of roundabout ways of explaining things and telling stories that are not quite linear don't always make obvious immediate sense but you know we're true to herself and she's feeling good about herself and feeling good about her personal situation and her family life i feel like she was saying that in press today that things have something and yeah she's not been very forthcoming on the details on any of this stuff with her custody battle but it's been going on for a long time um but i think things are in a place that she's happy with in it at the moment now well, it's i mean keeping her put it this way going. if you if you i mean i don't know any of the details i don't know if anybody really knows the details but you know two three years ago you know there was all this discussion of can vika even play in europe can she play in new york can she play in miami because she will she be able to bring her son flash forward to now She's here in New York. Leo is also with her. That's a huge change, right? And she seems, yeah, like she said today, like something has clearly changed in that situation to allow her to to um to to continue with the tennis career the way that she wanted to. And I think that that was an interesting line when I did the Champions Corner with her after Cincinnati. Was she said because I asked her a very similar question that you asked today about. Yeah, like because she had said during Cincinnati that she had been very close to walking away in January of retiring. And so I asked her, you know, what tipped I kind of asked asked the opposite question of what you asked tonight. Ben asked kind of like, how close did you come? And I asked, like, what made you what was the tipping point that made you stay? Keep going. And Yeah. yeah, keep going. And she said, you know, the thing was that she thought about it and was like, can I do this and take a little bit more for me? Like, my priority will always be my son. My priority will always be my family. But, like, is there a way for to, for me to continue being a tennis player but make a few more whatever sacrifices to allow me to, like, maybe train a little bit harder? I'm This is me paraphrasing what I kind of understood what she was saying. To maybe train a little harder. To maybe be able to travel to tournaments a little bit more. Maybe to practice an extra an hour instead of having to run home. You know, is there a way for me to do that? And and somehow something got sorted out where it did. And um, because she said, she's like, I couldn't just keep doing what I was doing before. I had something had to actually change. So something did. And, it's, and it sounds like it is kind of one of those working mom dilemmas. And it's, it's something that I've always said. Like, I think that Vika, when it comes to kind of the working mom example on the WTA tour, I think that Vika really does have a story that really is relatable. I think to 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 the not a common tale. folk. Yeah. It's not a fairy tale. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't especially at the time when all this was happening, necessarily have the resources to like hire full time help and all these, you know, she's a single mom, you mm-hmm. know, she her mother is helping her with with in terms of childcare and stuff like that. And she's you know, so and trying to have this career. And she was just trying to basically say, like, I can't do my nine to five if I have to do the swing shift, if I also have to run home and cook dinner and do laundry and clean the house and pay the bills and da 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 da. I can't do it. But can I do the nine to five? I can do the nine to five if maybe some of those things are taken care of, right? If some of those things are taken off my plate, then I can sleep better. I can eat better. I can train better and get better results. And so 
yeah, I'm I'm really happy for her. I just I just it's nice to see that dimpled smile on the court again, you know, and the tennis that she plays when she is feeling feeling herself. Yeah, because she was kind Good of tennis, just just tennis wise, she was shell of herself at points in the last few years, and yeah, that's frustrating to see. And her so press she's... conferences had become therapy sessions, and yeah. you know, she broke down at Wimbledon, and you know, there there's a lot of tears shed by Vika in in Grand Slam press conferences over the last few years, mm-hmm. and it's been. You know, you just really felt for her. So it's it's lovely to see her have this come up. It's good. And that is completing our eight women of this show. And we did our eight boys as well. We wrap up there pretty much. We'll do more time to do tournament wrap stuff at the end of the tournament. Sure. I guess. So we'll just leave it here for now. Bookmark this on a daily show, which went like an hour already. So we should probably Sorry. stop. It's okay. It's good. It's good. It's good, people. I think it was pretty clean. So not too much editing required here. Thank you guys for listening. No challenges remaining. We're also putting this episode as a video on our Patreon for Patreon backers. If you want to, so where you can see Courtney in her, in her hat and her dancing. Murray is not in the background, unfortunately. Her dog has been in the background in previous recordings, but he was he's back over there, there other times, and he's in the other yeah. corner. That's fine. Yeah, if you want to see us and hear us talk, or look at us while we talk for a change, that's an option for you now on Patreon, patreon.com slash no challenges remaining. I want to thank our one new backer since our last show. Brian Rolick is our new backer in the last 24 hours, roughly. So thank you to Brian. We've had an incredible stream of people signing up for the Patreon during this. It's been awesome. We really appreciate that. Courtney's giving thumbs up uh, for you video watchers. Uh, yeah, so we have some other Patreon exclusive content too. We're going to try to figure out other ways to do things more specifically for our Patreon audience. So if you have suggestions for what you would like to see from us on Patreon, video, audio, textual, whatever, uh, let us know. Uh, I want to thank our Patreon Slam Champ Packers. We thank every episode, Liz Kinnell, Jonathan Weinbaum, Mary Carrillo, Chuang Nguyen, Betty, Audrey Wellens, Sean Mulroy, Joseph Har, Susanna W., and Antonio Maycumber, as well as our GOAT Backers, Might, Charles Cena, and J-O-D. So thank you to all of you folks there. Courtney salutes you. And that'll about do it for us on the show. Yeah, emails, no challenges remaining at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at ncr underscore tennis. And yeah, patreon.com slash no challenges remaining. I think I covered it all. I think we're good. I'm always impressed. I'm always impressed. You shouldn't be. (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) All right. Bye, folks. Bye. Bye.